Welcome to the Monkey Seat, the London bus of podcasts. With two podcasts in two days, what could we possibly be talking about today? Well, we're hitting you harder than an open-throttled Aaron McLaren with uh, three race reviews from IndyCar. But first, I'm joined by our usual Formula E Jaguar fanboy, Mr. Charlie Horn. Welcome back, Hello. Charlie. Hello. How are you? I'm not bad. Fantastic. So uh, once again, we have no Carl, so that leaves you to step up. Uh, so I expect lots of rants and swearing. Are you up to the task? <laughs> Obviously, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll watch the swearing on live YouTube, but uh, yes, uh, certainly lo- lo- lots of rants and uh, and crazy opinions would be appreciated. That's what people tune in for. Yeah. Uh, so this is just a reminder that we are available on all podcasting platforms and are live streaming right now on YouTube. Just search for Monkey Seat Podcast or go to monkeyseatpod.com for the links to all your favorite ear feeders. We are fully independent podcasts and rely solely on the generosity of you. So uh, the listeners to support us, you can do this by leaving us a five star review or throwing us some spare change. Just click on the give us a quid link on the website to support us. Uh, and uh, just like Darren, our billionaire sugar daddy, who has a message for you now, which is um, regular listeners of this podcast will be aware of the furry visitors we get on a weekly basis. Well, those bundles of joy are adopted by pet rehoming charities who are full of people who dedicate their lives to supporting and rehoming pets. Furballs is a local charity to us in the UK that are going through a particularly tough time right now and are in desperate need of assistance. There is a real danger this charity could close its doors permanently. Trying to fundraise enough money for food and vet bills is becoming increasingly difficult and we ask you to support this charity in whatever way you can you can support them directly through paypal a samantha at furblesrescue.org or through the website furblesrescue.org the price of a posh coffee could really save a cat's life and um just on a on a slightly somber note to start a podcast with unfortunately my parents lost a cat last night um straight after i finished a podcast last night and it's um it, again a rescue cat and it's a cat that was given a really good you know loving life through uh for people so um it, it's a really really good good uh way to 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 support a charity so um very close to my heart as well i'm very glad that that darren has uh has put this charity forward to be supported as well but anyway we're going to talk about some motorsport which is uh, slightly more entertaining and you don't want to hear me whinging on about cats so uh so there we go so i'll pass over to to charlie now to uh to give you a uh, a review of the first race in mexico are you ready charlie i am indeed Fantastic. Here we go. As the lights went out in Puebla for round eight of the 2021 Formula E World Championship, there was drama straight away as Oliver Rowland suffered a horrific start and sunk like a stone through the order. There was more squabbling into turn one as the two BMWs fought each other and further back, cars were driving on the grass to stay out of each other's way. Almost immediately, Cassidy was in the wall and the safety car was out as the car was retrieved. Verlaine, leading the race, got a good getaway and then soon ventured into the huge attack mode zone for his first attack mode. Later on, we saw championship drama as the championship leaders De Vries and Franks took each other out. The race was uninterrupted, however, and the usual Formula E fighting continued, overtakes being made in the most unexpected of places. Another collision between Lynn and Bird ended Bird's race and brought out another safety car. <clears throat> Ten minutes to go. The race leader, Verlaine, was oh, geez, placed under investigation. In the closing stage of the race, Audi were on a charge and began... Oh, no. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> just finish it off, that's fine. Anyway, uh, Audi were on a mission and began a charge through the field. And then as Verlaine crossed the line, 
he was disqualified and the win was handed to Degrassi, Raf second and Mortara third. <laughs> the panic on your face when the time was starting. You, know, you had a bit of a time delay on that for some reason. The um, there was uh, you started speaking about five seconds after it started, my end, which I think we oh, had a okay. problem with last week. But again, it does it doesn't matter. You still had the same amount of time. But yes. uh, even oh, well. so, yeah, it did make me laugh. Just like the sheer panic, as like cat in headlights moment. But yeah, well done. I mean, my my review yesterday was about five seconds over as well. So it kind of like it's good. But yeah, that was um. It was it was an interesting race. It was um, kind of a bit ebby, bit ebby and flowy. Um, I thought anyway. I don't know what your thoughts on it were. Yeah, it wasn't the best I've ever seen, but it was you know it's Formula E, so there's always going to be some crazy moments. But I'm not sure it was the best I've ever seen, but it was it was interesting. That I liked the track. I thought the track was the new track was quite interesting. Have they been? Sorry, <laughs> have we um, have we been to that one before? No, it's a. Uh, it's a new one, as far as I'm aware, okay. and uh, mm. it was it was interesting. I thought, what were your thoughts on the track? Yeah, I mean, it was it was the thing was it's a track, isn't it? I mean, I know it's a it's a tight, windy infield to an oval, isn't it? So it's not quite your um, it's not a, a proper um, purpose-built race circuit. Sure. It's a it's a twist, twisty, turny um track and, and they just put barriers all the way around it to kind of simulate a street track atmosphere. So um, yeah, I mean, it's it still did have some tendencies of a normal uh, race circuit which to me occasionally made the cars look a little bit slow um mm. because they're um obviously we're used to seeing them twisting around tiny streets so um it was quite wide in places but it was it was it was fun to watch and uh yeah we didn't see any of the returning issues that we had in valencia so um so that's that's good uh it, i mean really it was um i think it was it was an interesting race but it's just really the you know the people we expected to be up front weren't, and that's really opened up the championship for us this year. So, I mean, what do you what do you think about obviously the uh, Mercedes um, EQ, uh, the uh, constructors leaders at the start of the weekend? Where were they this weekend? Because they didn't seem yeah, to. Yeah, they be... were nowhere. I mean, but it wasn't just them. You know, even you know Jaguar, Frains, he was well down the back. You know, yeah. all the the big names in the championship are all you know at least outside the top ten. So, I mean. It just shows you in the difference that the qualifying groups can actually make because you know um, it was quite quite a significant difference as a result. Oh. So remind me again with the qualifying groups: is it uh, is it the result of the previous race is where the groups start? Or is it championship standings? Yeah, it's championships. Yeah. It's championship. Okay, so if you're leading, you're always starting in group one. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so yeah, so <laughs> yeah. Um, it's it's certainly interesting. Uh, I'm still not 100% sold on it myself, um, but uh, it certainly does create closer championships, as we can see exactly. when we championship alive, yeah, yeah when we get to the championship standings later on. It does open it up. It allows a lot of people to win races. So exactly. I mean, it can't it can't be bad in that sense at all. I guess yeah. I'm just kind of I'm stuck in my ways as a you know <laughs> old Formula One old Formula One fan from the 90s. I'm you know I'm oh no, they need to have an hour of qualifying and nobody can go out until 10 minutes from the end and you know, all that stuff. So, no, it's, um, yeah, it was interesting. I mean, the only thing that annoyed me a little bit about the race was the race direction. It just seemed like they were always missing stuff. Mm -hmm. I mean, there was incidents with Gunter, Frings, De Vries, Verne, Roland, Sims, and DaCosta. Um, and all these incidents just seemed to be missed. There was, they were oh. always going to it late or they or they went to a replay about 10 minutes after the fact. Yeah, exactly. So, and some things where I just thought, oh, I want to see that again, but no replay came. So, mm. yeah. 
And another thing I noticed, actually, was uh, there didn't seem to be an awful lot of, in, certainly in the second race, a lot of in-car radio. There was not a lot of speaking to the drivers. Mm. Yeah, um, well, sorry, not speaking to, you know, the drivers yeah, speak to the, to yeah, the engineers. Yeah. It's something that, you know, after having quite a lot in the Formula One at the weekend and there was quite yeah. a lot in the IndyCar, um, and there was quite a lot broadcast in F3 as well, but it just kind of dawned on me towards the end of the race that we hadn't really heard anyone speak, especially in the <laughs> second race. But uh, yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't know why that was. If they just decided it's a different route to go down, but uh, yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, but again, with with the direction though, there just didn't seem to be an awful lot going on. But then they weren't showing any replays. It just seems yeah, right, exactly. You could have thought they would have spiced it up a bit by showing because mm. yeah, they definitely were missing things, and they definitely weren't showing replays of stuff that we'd like to see again, or like to see from a different angle. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, like like any good story, we should really start at the end, um, which is um, the Pascal Verline the first penalty, the disqualification. Yeah. Disqualification, yeah. What was that about? It was complete, just clerical error. I mean, it's so so. It was be heartbreaking for him. It was failures, it failures declared tires. Was it? Yeah, right? it's like right, just didn't write down the right tires on the car's form or something like that. It was Cause some complete clerical error. Didn't Nick DeVries have something like that earlier in the season where he yeah, was... Yeah, I, I, like I think it was Van Dorn, I think it was. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. was on pole for mm. one of the races in Rome, I think. Or yes. Was it Rome? I can't remember. I think and it then, was, yeah. Yeah, I think so. And then got that taken away and had to start at the very back of the grid because of this it's the exact same issue, just something to do with not writing down the right number of the tyres or something on the, oh. on the sheets. <laughs> I mean... So, I mean, I understand, like... <laughs> rules are rules and you know the letter of the law and all that kind of stuff but why did it take him until the last lap to declare the penalty yeah I don't know. that just like, seemed crazy that, that just seemed mental it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't just him as well it was him lotterer and two other drivers who i can't remember both porsches and mm-hmm. two other cars from, from yes the i did make a note of that bear with me i note, I, yeah. I did i did make a note of it on my phone i don't think they were any significant Position, I don't think any of them were in the points, but yeah, who was it? Wrong. It was um, Roland, Boemi, Lotterer, and Verline were the four, right? So, uh, but I think Verline was the only one to qualify, wasn't he? Was it? I can't remember. I think so, yeah. So, I'm just taking a mouthful of orange juice. Um, right. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it's it seems seems strange that I say I understand that that, that rules are rules, but um, I I just don't understand why that was that was such a massive penalty when you're going to have someone can do something oh. dangerous on track and just be punished with a five exactly. second penalty or something like right, that. The wrong number of the tires are not going to result surely, in any performance gain. You know, I mean, yeah, surely it should be a team penalty, crazy. not a driver penalty. Yeah, exactly. Maybe a fine would be a more appropriate mm. penalty there. But mm. I mean, even if it's a sporting penalty, but it's you know constructor points or something because yeah, it's something a team like that, error. Yeah. It's not that the driver wrote the numbers down, is it? Yeah, exactly. Just just seems odd. I find like with Formula E, they're they're really good at coming up with some great ideas, and mm. they're they're not they're not afraid of trying things. And and yeah, uh, but it seems like the the basics seem to be a little bit stacked in the wrong way. You know, they've yeah. they've they've got they've got rules that don't seem to make any sense sometimes, and and there's there's a lot more errors being made. I don't know if that's a COVID yeah, no, I, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, no, I do, I do okay. see that, and um, sometimes from the from formerly themselves, something from the team, but you know, you often see mistakes being made by the teams themselves that you think you, know, you would see that in Formula One. You know, well, yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's a numbers thing because they're limited on numbers this year, and obviously, I don't know if it's been like that in previous years. Haven't actually changed the numbers. Have they not? They were always limited to twenty staff on site. Ah, okay. Teams, regardless of COVID or anything, so it's not actually changed for the teams. Every day's a school day. Um, (laughs) Actually, I I thought of you while I was watching the race because uh, someone went into the attack zone and uh, and it didn't it didn't register, and then who was it? Um, Uh, I think it was Burn. Uh, yeah, and Frank Kitty said over the thing, oh, yes, he's got to press the button as well, which is something that you educated us yeah. on, and that was what, what, what Chandok didn't pick up, and that's uh, yeah, <laughs> in, the, in that Valencia race. I was like, yeah, I knew that. Well, thanks, that's thanks to Charlie. So, yeah, so the um, the what we're talking about, the attack zone, the uh, the drivers that were coming back on track from the attack zone were, were, were getting... We're getting sideswiped by people still on the track, and there was a couple of instances. Uh, Sims and DaCosta, um, and a couple of other people as well, Burn where cars, was yeah, car, cars the race. ended up being retired, yeah, um, because of it. So, I mean, what, what, what's what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, it's like um, you know some of the, yeah, it's just like um, some pit exits you know that we have that can be quite uh, ropey. You know, it's like you've mm. got to. Be careful when you design the attack zone that you don't come out because you obviously have to merge with the traffic at some point. And it's not a big long mm. straight or anything because obviously that would defeat the purpose of the attack one. It's got to be offline, but mm. you know it is kind of difficult to get the right balance of sending you offline but also being safe enough once you come back on because it isn't like a pit exit where you have to follow a certain line and stay within that to for your own safety. It is just kind of straight back out into the yeah the that was. That was interesting that they had that whole like extra part of the circuit because mm, that was cool. I did like that because it was it had a new tactical element to the race, seeing how the big massive attacks or how just how many places they lose. You know, you could lose like five places going through that thing. Yeah. So yeah, it was interesting. Mm. See, I still like the idea of the attack zone being uh, being a benefit and not a not a hindrance. I, I like the idea of them getting either you know more more energy by going through it um or more usable energy by going through it or or you know it being less of a penalty so they can use it strategically uh-huh. a bit more that's kind of would be my preference yeah, yeah. on it i'm not I, I quite like the idea of the attack zone but use it like a like a pit stop undercut uh-huh. um so like you you suddenly get a a boost in performance i know you get a boost in performance but it's mm-hmm. it's always an overall negative with the yeah, attack exactly. zone at the moment just moving the cat yeah. <laughs> Yes, I know. We're trying to raise money for you. Don't worry. <laughs> he's being he's being very needy the last few days, um, and you might see the face of the other one just sitting here. He's uh, he's sitting on the printer on top of the uh, green screen here. Oh, go away! Oh. <laughs> oh, my God, go away! Right. Let's see if that makes the podcast. Probably not. Um, right. I've lost my train of thought now. Uh, yeah, we talked about attack zone, weren't we? Yeah, I, I quite, I quite like it as as a uh, as an overall positive as opposed yeah. to an overall negative at the moment. Because like you found drivers are going through the zone. Um, who is it in the second race? Roland went through the zone yeah, twice. Roland. Yeah, in the first ten minutes, basically. Yeah, something like that. Um, just to get it out of the way, which kind mm-hmm. of like defeats the object. I think it should should be the other way around. Yeah, right? no, I agree with you. I agree with you. Mm, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what what they do with that long term. Anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah, okay. So, um, Roland car issues. Any idea on what that was about? No idea. I mean, I can only imagine that I pressed the wrong button or some setting it was wrong. I mean, I'm not sure. Because it didn't seem to be, it wasn't a terminal issue or anything. It got going at the end and just uh, kept going the whole race. So, I imagine mm. it was just a, 
a setting I, problem or something. It seemed like a problem that I had with my laptop on a podcast a few weeks ago. Uh, we had Jack Benyon on from the IndyCar's Race podcast and obviously Carl knowing very very little about IndyCar uh, we, we're going around and he, we just joined him we, we're just kind of like doing the the, the, uh, the pre-review stuff for the Indy 500 um, and then my laptop suddenly starts doing some weird things and like some things work and some things don't and it gradually got worse until such point where I just got chucked out of the live stream and that left Carl on there Carl on there with this IndyCar <laughs> expert and he's like um yeah uh, so <laughs> MotoGP do you like MotoGP <laughs> um but uh yeah so that's kind of it, it's like at the start it, it wasn't quite working at the start and then he was going through attack zone and the attack zone button wasn't working and and it just seemed like there was lots of little issues oh, and... right. he didn't have team radio the whole time was it he didn't have radio either yeah, he didn't have team radio the whole yeah. time he just had to rely on the pep, the pep and that was it so that's that's another thing it just seemed like it just needed a control alt delete yeah. and then uh and then yeah, go again exactly. i mean yeah it's who do, who looks after the software? Is that the teams or is that's it standard? That's the teams. Okay, right. So it's obviously a uh, a software issue then somewhere somewhere down mm. the line. No. Okay. Um, so we obviously we we went into the second race then and uh, yeah there was there was no rain or anything. There was very few safety cars. It was um, very unformulary from what I can tell. Um, <laughs> but you want to do your your second review? See if you can uh, get it under the minute. Part. Under the minute this time? A bit shorter, so hopefully, uh, hopefully yeah. we'll make it this time. Okay, let's see. So race two brought another chaotic start. This time, Roland the pole man was able to get away and hold on to P1 as the rest of the field behind him started to battle. Uh, there was a good start for Jaguar, and they both were fighting their way through the field to try and capitalise on the championship on their championship rivals' poor performance in qualifying. Uh, Degrassi made an absolute send on Evans at turn one, but then Seti Camera tried the same move, but he ended up losing some bodywork. De Vries, <coughs> sorry, De Vries headed into the pits with a puncture, and that was the weekend over at the prominent title challenger. At this point in the race, half of the field appeared to be holding. Appear, sorry, half of the field appeared to have the advertising hoardings on the back of their cars. A mistake from Roland put uh, Verline into P2, and Byrne began to drop back from spins and overtaking. Soon after, De Costa rounded off Diaz's bad day by slamming his car into the wall. At the line, the podium was declared as Mortara P1, Verline P2, and Gasly P3, although after an investigation, uh, after an investigation, Verline was penalised five seconds and dropped down to P4. That led uh, Roland up to the final spot of the rostrum. Good effort, good effort. Uh, yeah, it was a bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the review was under a minute, but there was just a couple of little uh, li- little stammers yeah, in there and stuff. So, yeah. no, well done, well done. Wow. It was uh, you. You made the uh, the least exciting race sound as good as the, yeah, uh, as the exactly. first race there. So, <laughs> yeah. So, wh- where to start then um, on that one? Um, I guess their line again. Yes. He, what is <laughs> is someone out? Is someone out to get him, or is oh, he just I the most so, unlucky? Yeah, that is just that is just bad luck for him. So, what was the penalty for again? Uh, it was I thought it would be energy overuse, but turned out I think it was like energy overuse caused by the fan boost. It was declared as improper use of the fan boost, but that seems to okay. be what it was. Just okay. So it's um so it's just an, an energy issue again then. Yeah, yeah. Very very weird. Very weird. He's just I mean didn't did he lose a race there last year as well or last time uh, in, uh, in Mexico five uh he ran out of energy literally on the line mm. and uh degrassi pipped him just like oh. about 10 meters away from the line where the grassy managed to pass 
I meant to say actually with Degrassi in the first race, he really impressed me. I, I could see um, see that he was, he was coming up. He was coming up through the field, and I, and I, I remember thinking, oh, he's he's looking good. He's looking good, and then uh, yeah. ended up getting all the way to the front. I meant to say that on the last one, but yeah, you know, no, he was um, him and him and Rast are both mm. flying through, and you know, he was saying mm. afterwards, they you know, they've had. He reckons the pace had been there all year for Audi. They'd just never really been able to put everything together and get themselves a win. But he reckons they've got it now. So, you know, who knows? We could see a resurgence of them in the second half of the season. So, yeah. It's, it surprised me with um, uh, Diaz the Cheetah because I thought that they were going to start slowly and then come good. But it seems like they started well and they've so, yeah, fallen away since the they got the new yeah. powertrain. Exactly. I mean, That's- yeah, I mean, they had a horrific time of it on the second race because Vern mm. uh, just was making mistakes all over the place, getting overtaken, spent, he did a spin at one point, and then De Costa slammed into the wall, and that was how his race over. So, yeah, not good. Crazy. I do like it when uh, when when they cut the shots of the garages. I find it with with Formula E and also Extremey, and you you can just see you can see Mark Preston sitting there, who's been on this podcast, and then you like in Extremey, you cut to uh, you cut to the Mission Control, and then you got Ian Davis sitting there, like yeah, I know both of those. <laughs> that's that's quite cool. Uh, quite like that. Cool. Uh, so yeah, we need we need to get some more people on. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, so yeah, the advertising hoardings that was that was random, yeah. wasn't it? It was just like a tail hanging off the car. Yeah, it just it seemed to be about half the cars at one point. We were just towing yeah. the advertising hoardings, but yeah. I mean, would would race control not do anything about that? Or I mean, they didn't, there was nothing said, was there? No, no, nothing happened. I mean, I mean, I don't think it's that dangerous if it's just hanging off the bodywork. It's not like it was getting yeah. chewed up in the wheels or anything. Yeah, I just yeah, I just I just thought maybe like get that caught up in all the uh, in all the inner workings and stuff yeah. and cause overheating and fire and stuff. I don't know, but yeah, but no, no, it didn't. Yeah, I know that nothing. Up, yeah, there was several cars certainly with big yeah. strands coming out. Because that was caused. Just remember again. I know you said it in your review, but um, who was it? it? Was someone got forced into the wall, wasn't it? Which caused that? Was it uh, not Evans? Was it? Uh... I can't remember to be honest. Oh, yeah. uh, was... Miller, was it Miller that had? Um, my... Not Miller, sorry. Um, Gunter, sorry. Was it? Uh, I think he my... was one of the ones with the yeah. turn yeah. one where he got. I know it's somebody got forced into the wall and it's like so close to the wall that he ended up picking up the uh, picking it up and then dragging it down as a mm-hmm. say. As a oh, and uh, Sims as well. Uh, I remember Lothar and Sims were battling at turn one and then like. Lot, like Sims was right up against the wall, but Lothar just like refused to yield. And he was just like they were he was just pushing him into the wall the whole way around and that that I might think have he was been. one of the ones that they had it as well. So that might have been it. Um I mean yeah. Sims, what was he on? <laughs> he was he was overtaking left, right and centre, wasn't he? He was he like, was he, very well, yeah. he was sending it. He retired in the end though, didn't he? Did he retire? I think he did, did he? yeah. I can't remember. Yeah, I think he did. I'm, I'm pretty sure he uh, he retired. Uh, again, I could be wrong. Um, as I admitted, I only uh, only saw it today because uh, oh. I've been so busy on other stuff. But uh, yeah, no, that was um, that again. The, the the lesser exciting of the two. So how would you how would you rate the uh, the the that as as a race? Then was that? I don't know because they've been to Mexico City before, haven't they? Is it better? Which which one would you prefer to be on the calendar? Uh, I would prefer Hermanus Rodriguez, much better track, I would say. Especially the layout they had for it in season six, the last time we went there. I need that to go. I need to go back and look at one of the best races of the season. It was, it's always been fantastic there because mm. the big long straight. It's the longest straight for me. Super mm. super fast speeds. 
the you know seeing they use the old style um what's the big long sort of 180 corner the final corner of the circuit oh yes i know i know the one you mean the one coming yeah. out of the um kind of flipped over yeah um, yeah i can't remember what's called but anyway they use the big old like traditional layout of that they use the through the forest hall they go back cut back not straight through like they do in formula one it's just like mm. the way they lay it out and everything fantastic but and a lot more overtaken in this one i would say so yeah i would say yeah. if it was one of the two i would say mexico setting would be my preference i'll have to go on youtube and look for highlights of that because that that sounds mm. pretty pretty epic yeah no, it was really good Cool. So, so where we are then? We've got um, Eduardo Mortara now takes the lead in the championship. Oh, on the... Although maybe I'm just biasing as my champions did win that race. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course. But uh, yeah, so Mortara now takes over the lead of the championship with 72 points, having got um, 40 points this weekend. That's an impressive haul. Robin Frings is still second, despite being pointless over the over the last two rounds. And then we've got Antonio Felix da Costa drops the third with just the eight points. Um, Rene Rast is fourth place still with uh picking up 21 points he's on 60 uh also on 60 mitch evans so third fourth and fifth all uh all on 60 points uh not a strong weekend for mitch evans with just the six points picked up picked up rather former championship leader nick devries is now all the way down in sixth with 59 points with uh, just two points from the last four rounds what is going on with that and then Teammate Stoffel van Dorn is five points back with 54, with just six points from the last four rounds. It's... So, I say this is just all over the place now. They, they, were, yeah, my pick, they were my pick for the season, and they're mm-hmm. nowhere now. In fact, yeah. none of our picks are really anywhere. <laughs> I will say that. You, uh, you're, you had Sam Bird, I think, didn't you? But uh, Mitch Evans in the Jaguar there is in, uh, is in fifth place, joint third. Um, so, he's, he's the closest out of our predictions. Uh, but we'd expect you to win because you're the expert. Uh, and then yeah, Jake Den. Of course, yeah. Well, that's fine. You're allowed to be biased. I'm a massive McLaren bias, so you can imagine what I'm going to be like when McLaren enter Formula E in a couple of years. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm going to I'm going to upset Ian Davis when McLaren go into Extreme E next year as well. Because I'm going to be like, no, <laughs> sorry, not interested anymore. Um, yeah, Jake Dennis uh, up to or down. Is he down? No, he's up to eight. Sorry, with 54 points, picking up 21 points over the weekend. And Oliver Rowland is up to ninth now with 18 points in the second race. Uh, and then John Eric Verne, former champion, back in 10th. And then your man, Sam Bird, in 11th with 49. Um, yeah, I mean, you imagine the points that Verline should have got this weekend. And he, yeah. he picked up 14 points and realistically he could have had 50. Uh, mm. If he'd have had 50, where would he be? He would be... He would be on like sixty-eight odd points or something. So he would be second in the championship, or certainly up with Robin Frings anyway. Yeah. And now he's way down there in twelfth. That's insane. Uh, yeah. So teams championship. Where are we with the teams? Let's see. How is uh, how are our predictions doing? So it's Mercedes still leading despite. So that's one hundred and thirteen points for Mercedes. Diaz to Chisa, one hundred and ten. And Jaguar 109. That's our three teams. Oh. That's our three teams fighting it out. So I'm still winning in the room, but there's only four points between the three teams. Audi now up to 99 points, tied with Envision Virgin, and then Rocket Venturi up to sixth with 83. So let's take this opportunity then to talk about the, the rest of the season. Hmm. What what is going to happen? Who's going to win it? Let's uh, set our stalls out there. We've got, um, we've got a doubleheader in... Um, 
Toronto, no, New York, sorry. We got double header in London and a double header in Berlin. Yep. So we've got three three rounds, six races. Let's pin it down now. Who's going to win the championship? There you go. Got to be. Stick with my You're sticking with Jaguar. Hands. You're yep. still sticking with Jaguar. But which driver? So. Which driver? Mitch Evans is ahead in got the standings. Evans. You're, you're going with Evans. Has Evans impressed you this year? Because he was there last year, wasn't he? It's Sam Bird's the new driver. Yeah, Evans been there since like season three. So yeah, I always rated Evans in uh, in in what was GP two. I was disappointed mm-hmm. when he when he didn't get a drive in, in F one because I think he's mm-hmm. yeah no uh, that's I think one of, one of the things he often talks about is how he missed out on F one, but you know yeah. he's he's impressed certainly in Formula E. So yeah, I mean he's he's backed by Mark Webber, isn't he? Or he's um, tutored by Mark Webber, maybe? Yeah, or I might be making yeah. that up. Yeah, no, no, that's right. No, cool. Uh, I know because I I did follow him a lot when I was uh, when he was in GP two. Um, yeah, and also followed. Um, Drivers like Johnny Chicotto just to see how bad they were, and uh, <laughs> ev- everyone's favourite uh, driver, um, Regnathan, is <laughs> 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 just terrible. Okay, um, okay so you're go- you're going uh, Mitch Evans to win the title then. Yeah. Um, how far back is Sam Bird? He's uh, 49 points, and Mitch Evans is on 60. So it's only 11 points between them. That's not that's not unassailable. Um, I think Mercedes are going to win the team still, but. I don't think they're going to win the drivers. Right. I think it's going to be someone else. And do you know what? I mean, it might even be the guy who's leading, Eduardo Motara, because he massively impressed me in the opening race in Diria. And obviously he didn't make the second round because of uh, that massive crash yeah, in yeah. qualifying, which wasn't his fault. And then he's had some bad luck. and and But he's always seemed to have a good turn of speed. He's, he's good at overtaking. Um, and obviously this weekend he's had a, a little bit of luck, but um, but equally two very strong performances and uh, a very well deserved win and a very well deserved podium. So he's looking strong. Um, whether he's got enough to hold out for the championship, I think it's probably for me it's between him and Da Costa. I would say I think Da Costa, when he's not crashing, is looking really good. But uh, he's just he's had he seems to be a win or bin for me, mm-hmm. DaCosta. Yeah. So so yeah, I think it's between Mortara and DaCosta. We'll get Carl's we'll get Carl's predictions on this as well. Um at some point. And next time he's on we'll uh, we'll get him to weigh in on that. So next up then it's New York, isn't it? Tenth and the eleventh. Yeah. Uh what's that like? Anything we need to be looking out for on that? Uh not particularly. We've been there uh, about three years now I think. Okay. Fourth year I think this will be we've gone there. Is it actually um, New York or is it New Jersey? No, no, it's New York. It's on, uh, on the city streets. It's um, but it's not. It's not like downtown Manhattan or anything. But it's um, mm. it's in some dockyard somewhere. But it's uh, it's, it's, still, it's, like, it's <laughs> yes, New York. gets yeah, in a dock somewhere. Yeah, it's not um, not racing around the Empire State Building or anything like that. Oh, but, uh, I don't know. That so, would be that would be a sight. That would be awesome. But I mean, the traffic jams are bad enough. I think a uh, uh, big Formula mm. E race is the last thing they need. So. Yeah. Yeah, so um, yeah, it's in some dock somewhere, but it's a uh, it's a good track actually, because yeah. okay. you know they've got a big big open space to play with, and they can make a good track there. So mm. I mean, because I missed I missed the uh, the finale in Berlin last year. That was Carl's job to look after that. Um, but uh, I I say London is going to be interesting to watch, and um, and, say, and New York as well. Yeah, it looks like it's looking promising. Across, yeah. 
it's looking promising because um, it's what, 24th of July, so that's after the um, lifting of the restrictions, allegedly. And currently, Silverstone is looking like it's going to be full capacity as well, even yeah. though it's still inside the, the window because they've been right. granted, uh, or looks like they're going to be granted, the opportunity to do it as a trial event, right. which which is um, really good news. For, for certainly for you, I really hope you get to go there this year. Yeah. Have you already got tickets, or is it just you're going to go if you can? No, no, we bought tickets for the last one, and then we just got a refund for that. But my dad said, you know, as soon as they're on sale, you know, let me know. Excellent, we'll excellent. So, so they're not selling them with a with a like a refund guarantee or anything, then? No, no. Okay. Well, we'll look out for that, and I really hope you get there because it'd be great to have a, a reporter on the ground. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that'd be good. That'd be interesting. I, I'd really. Uh, yeah, I hope that happens. And obviously, I hope for the sake of Silverstone, I hope Silverstone get get fans as well. But that's gonna be that's gonna be good. So, did you um? We've kind of covered Formula E now. Is there anything else you want to talk about on Formula E? I don't think there's been any announcements or anything. Not really. There's not been uh, any driver transfer news or anything. So, uh, so we got a we got a comment in the uh, in the chat window. Uh, oh, do we? J- do J- J- Jamie Jamie McClymont. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, you you were close, Charlie. What's that about? You were close, Charlie. Uh, yeah, I must have answered a question. That, <laughs> uh, <laughs> no idea, no idea. I can, uh, <laughs> let us know what you're talking about, Jamie. Uh, yeah, the, yeah. There's no. Uh, there doesn't seem to be any any major news or anything up on the uh, up on there. Yeah. Uh, apart from the Verline demoted to fourth, which I didn't know about until just before we came on. So yeah, <laughs> thanks for that, Charlie. Did you watch the Formula One at the weekend? Uh, no, I didn't. I had uh, Duke of Edinburgh, so I was away uh, so, all so weekend. Have... So all I, could, all I could get in was Formula E. So uh, okay, that's that's fair enough. It's do you know what for a French right, he, Grand Prix? He's texted me and he said that comment was from ages ago. So okay. Oh, it must have been the race review. That'll be what it was. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Six, six It was. It's now six forty-three. Yeah, so, yeah. fair enough. Thanks for thanks for watching, Jamie. And thanks for thanks for interacting. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes. So, yeah, for a French Grand Prix, it was good. It was. It was it's oh, worth yeah, watching, excellent. even if you just get the highlights. It's. it's yeah, I should do that. Actually, I'll check it. Out. Yeah, it's it's de- it's definitely worth a watch. So you definitely haven't watched the IndyCar. Then will be my next question. Yeah, no, which we're gonna. Not, no, no, that's no, fine. Cool, cool. All right. Well, I think what we'll do then, um, we're we're kind of all covered on the Formula Arena, so I think we'll we'll pause until the uh, until Phil joins us, and we will rejoin the live stream in about ten minutes' time uh, to review the Detroit and Road America Grand Prix in IndyCar. So, um, just want to say thank you very much for for listening and watching, and we will see you in a few minutes. <laughs> Welcome back to the monkey seats. We uh, we're now joined by uh, by Phil Kinch, who is a man that I met on Facebook the other day. So, <laughs> hello, Phil. Good evening, sir. How are we doing? Yeah, fantastic. We just finished the first Thanks. half of our of our show. Um, so, one thing, just a, a minor apology to the to the audience. We um, forgot to do our driver and dick of the day in Formula E. Um, so, Charlie has given his his nominations. He said Eduardo Matara for driver of the day, which I one hundred percent agree with, and he's put Lynn or Lotterer for dick of the day. Um, I'm going to go with Lotterer just because he's more of a dick than Lynn generally. So, um, that's that's me on that. And we also forgot to mention about it was um, Ericsson 
Erickson's debut, uh, I think Joel Erickson, I think his name is, in, in Formula E, um, and just how well he did, given that it was his first ever try in a Formula E car. So that's um, that was for the first half of the podcast. We move on to the second half of the podcast now, where we, uh, we talk about the IndyCar. And due to our complete failure to do a podcast last week, uh, we have two race reviews of Detroit and a race review for road america to get through so um i'll just start proceedings off by going through the few things i wrote down for for detroit races one and two um and i will make absolutely no apologies for being very biased about the winner of the first race so here we go uh at the start no change with award maintaining the lead from rossi and grosjean no one wanted to run on the reds as uh, award stopped on lap three Rossi stayed out until lap five, but was still behind O'Ward. Uh, New Garden's wheel did a Rahal, but uh, with less wall crashiness, and uh, he was able to nurse it back to the pits. Rossi was taking no prisoners, passing a glut of cars, pushing back to, back to front, uh, including including O'Ward. Uh, lap 24, and Rosenquist had a scary instant. His throttle appeared to stick open, and he hit the barrier head-on, causing a red flag. Uh, fortunately, he was okay, but there was uh, a near two-hour delay ensued as they repaired the barrier, which had actually split the concrete wall it was an absolute miracle that he wasn't harmed potentially well he was harmed but he wasn't harmed in a serious way um at the restarts the remaining cars who hadn't stopped dived down pit road uh, crazy passing left right and center at half distance and it was willpower leading marcus erickson and renas Fike. six laps to go in another red flag when grosjean hits the wall this time nowhere near as bad as rosenquist but still disappointing uh power who was on the brink of a win retired at the restart in a heartbreaking development Penske and Marcus Ericsson now uh, having never won an IndyCar race before had a four lap sprint to hold on to the win. O'Ward pressures VK for second but VK made his car extremely wide. Dixon recovered to eighth and Rossi to seventh with the title leader Pelot way back in 15th. Ericsson won which made it his seven different winners in seven races in IndyCar this year. And I'd just like to um, just clarify what I said earlier about being biased about the winner of the first race. I meant the second race. Uh, I was not particularly <laughs> overjoyed with Ericsson's win there. Uh, so two just, races at the same track. It's easy to confuse yeah, them. Yeah. So <laughs> just, just, just cast your mind back then. So what, what's your initial thoughts on that race? So we should start really with the, with the Rosenquist collision. I mean, obviously he was yeah. unable to take part in, in the next race and obviously yeah. the race just this weekend gone. Um, any updates on his condition you've seen? So as, as far as I'm aware, just before uh, the Road America event, they confirmed that he was, has been released from hospital. Um, he was kept over, obviously, for the weekend and a few days for observation and to make sure everything's uh, as, as well as he can be. Um, and obviously, during the week, we had the announcement of Kevin Magnuson taking Rosenquist's place at uh, McLaren, McLaren SP as he's uh, still not fit to drive. Uh, so we'll see, obviously, if he's back in time for the you know, higher race back at the start, uh, at the start of July. Um as far as uh, the first race, you know, I think that was just the biggest, it's, it's, it's the scariest accident I've seen a lot for a long while mm. um, in IndyCar. And especially if you think of the force of the accident, you know, to be able to move the concrete barriers, to split the concrete barriers, especially at a track like Detroit, which is concrete city. It's a really rough track. It's very bumpy. Um, yeah, very, very scary accident and very happy that he came away, I shall say in one piece, but obviously, you know, with, with a few uh, bruises and issues to deal with. So yeah, really 
happy on the one hand that the circuit safety did its bit, but also that he was able to come out of that because the whole idea of these redesigned safety cars nowadays with the um, Red Bull in, Red Bull built aero screen instead of having a halo like everywhere else is to keep the drivers safe as well as the cars being designed, you know, not to flip or have the contact they used to have when there was a lot more aero devices on them. So no, definitely a very scary accident, but a better outcome um, than it actually looked as so it could have had. Yeah, I mean the impact. Uh, just to, to compare it to uh, to to the Formula One crash of Roman Grosjean in Bahrain last year, it was probably a bigger impact than that. Yes. It was, I imagine it was probably similar speeds, but with with uh, with a soft barrier, but then a concrete wall. Mm. So it was um, obviously without the fire, it was a um, it was just a scarier crash. So yeah. so very very uh, happy that that he's okay, and obviously it gave Oliver Askew a chance to show what he could do in the second race, which we'll get on. Mm. To in a bit um and then ask you obviously in for renus vk <laughs> and then uh, that meant they couldn't go to him so then they went to marcus uh, to um uh kevin magnuson for yep. for the uh, red america race so yeah so um on the first race there penske again oh. failing to win heartbreak i i honestly felt for willpower um mm. when the when, you know, Grosjean having his crash and, and obviously, you know, nothing he could do. He's, he, it's a difficult circuit to learn and he's in his first season. So he's he did quite well. But unfortunately, his incident brought out the uh, the second red flag. And you could hear Will on the radio, on, on you know, on the on the cut live coverage, you know, screaming for um, some fans, screaming for something, you know, some, one of the guys from the pits to come over and call the car down. Everyone thought he was asking for a fan himself because he was overheating because it was a really hot and humid mm. weekend. Um, but straight away, his concern is the car. And unfortunately, you know, he was on the verge. He had gotten to the front. He was leading. It was, the, you know, the old willpower we haven't seen for a while who can dominate from the front when everything works for him. And yeah, absolute tragedy that everyone else is streaming out of the pits and his car just won't fire up at all. You really, really felt for Will, who's had, I think you could sort of say over the last two to three seasons, apart from his Indy 500 win, he's had a rough time and hasn't been able to pull out the wins or challenge for a championship. And it's it's either been, he's sort of been a 50-50 driver. He's been getting the wins or he hasn't. And then when he wants them, but he can't get the championship, suddenly they come like London buses. You know, he's getting two or three in a row. So really, really felt for Will um, at a time when you could see a Penske resurgence happening um, and then starting to get back on terms with the other teams that are already out front and, and winning races this year. Hmm. And that's I mean, how long has it been since since Penske have, have has it ever been this far into a season without Penske getting a win? So they were talking about this um, at the weekend. So it's 1999. Um, when they went this far into an IndyCar season without having a win. And you're sort of going back to the time when they were struggling with um, the package with the Mercedes, having the Mercedes engine they had at the time, the Goodyear tyres, it just wasn't a good package. Um, ironically, in 2000, Penske did a deal with Reynard, who was one of the chassis providers back then, and suddenly their fortunes turned around. They had they got in Gilles de Ferran, they got in a certain Helio Castroneves, who's still running around, ironically. Yep. Um, and yeah, they suddenly returned to the Penske of old, which were back to the front, back to the front of the field, dominating, taking race wins and pole positions. So hopefully they, you know, they can overturn that trend, but it's quite a while since this has happened for them. Mm, yeah, it's, and um, obviously we, we know like looking into the future now to a spoiler alert here, but they yeah. still haven't won a race, no. uh, which is just, it's just such a, such a sad state of affairs since, um, 
you know Roger Penske now owning the entire series and the mm-hmm. uh, and the motor speedway as well. It's uh, I mean it certainly shows that it's 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 not benefiting his team doing that. Mm. Um, it's it's not a case of spreading too thin, is it? I mean, considering that you've got no. um, you've got Ganassi and Andretti are in all kinds of other formulas as well. You've got McLaren obviously in lots of different formulas, so it's just just not working for whatever reason. I mean, uh, it, it could potentially be something to do with the Chevrolet engine. I don't know what your thoughts on that are, if given that they don't seem to have the. It seems to be Honda seems to be the benchmark. It, it does at the moment, but there are times when Chevrolets also made up ground. I mean, it was clear during the Indy 500 this year, the Chevrolets were just as strong as the Hondas, mm. which is is a big change over the last couple of seasons. Um, on road courses, uh, you know, and ovals, to be honest, they, they are equal engines. So it's, it's difficult to sort of say, yeah, you can expect the Hondas to suddenly run up front and the Chevrolet power guys to fall behind. Um, I think it's more of a case of with these cars that they've got, you know, they've, they've now on their third season, they're less downforce than they've used to. Um, and a lot of teams are still getting used to trying to get the best out of them. So, and Penske are the best in the business. We, we know this, that, you know, in IndyCar, the first thing you think of is Penske and then you get Ganassi and Andretti and everyone else. Um, on the side of Roger Penske owning the series in Indianapolis, he, he separated himself more from the team now. Uh, so his interest is making sure the IndyCar series becomes the best spectacle that it can be. And a, a lot of talk about returning to the heyday of the late 90s and early 2000s when it was almost bigger than NASCAR at the time. Um, and also, you know, they've got uh, Tim Sindrick now, who is the he's been made uh, the president of the Penske organization and he's the one leading the team trackside. Sindrick's worked with these guys for years. He's worked with all of these drivers and previous drivers at Penske and had success. So... I think it's just a case of, you know, every big team in motorsport has a has a downside mm. um, or goes through, you know, a slip in form. And I think it's their turn. Um, but, as you know, we will soon know as soon as Penske get back to the front, you will know about it and they'll do it in the most dominant way possible. Mm. Well, I mean, maybe not in a dominant way, but he's hoping mm. they get back to the front anyway. Oh, yeah. But um, Marcus Ericsson got his first win in, in IndyCar. Uh, what's your thoughts on him? Because he was a little bit of a, um, at times, a bit of a laughing stock in Formula One, thought yeah. of as a thought of as a bit of a, you know, a, a Lance Stroll or Nikita Mazepin, a bit of a pay driver, only there for the money in the back of the grid car. Um, and uh, my first image of him in IndyCar was him driving down straight down a pit lane and then doing a 360. Um, so I kind of, I kind of had a bit of a similar opinion <laughs> yeah. of the guy, but uh, what's, what's your thoughts on him and, and, and now getting that, that, um, that first win in IndyCar. I, I think he's given him a boost. Um, I mean, first of all, you, you know, you don't turn up in IndyCar and get signed up by Chip Ganassi racing by luck. It's, you know, it's on talent. Chip knows a good driver when he sees one, he knows a driver he can work with. And, you know, goodness knows the last 20 odd years, he's had Scott Dixon as his full number one driver, but he also knows he needs other drivers um, to be able to be up there. So Scott is having a dip in form at the minute and Marcus Ericsson taking his win. It's a big boost for him, but also a big boost for the team as well. Um, as, as was said a lot of times, you know, Ericsson's last win in motorsport alone was in GP2 back in 2013. Mm. Fast forward, you know, to 2021 and he's taken his first win in IndyCar. But that's usually the first step to a better confidence, a better understanding, better working in the team. Um, He's capable. You know, he's shown good speed on ovals, which is something that not a lot of people expected considering his background in Formula 1 previously, which doesn't go near them. You know, everyone's thinking, right, Formula 1 driver, he'll be great on the road courses and street courses. Um, So he's got the talent already 
already on the ovals and taking the street course with a Detroit is just going to add to that. And I think we'll see more of him as he further improves. He's, he's really doing well considering he's in his second year at Chip Ganassi. Mm, yeah, excellent. Okay, so we'll move on to Detroit race two then. Um, again, there's been a week or so since I've seen these, so it's, uh, apologies if it's not quite as smooth as normal. But uh, uh, race two comes along and um, Newgarden held the lead from Herta and VK at the start. Dixon got tagged by Grosjean and then went into Rossi, uh, but was able to hold it. Then Chilton lost his wing and dropped it into the barriers. That's the first caution. Uh, a few drivers took the opportunity to stop, shaking up the order, and Jimmy Johnson started to get racy for the first time in IndyCar uh, since he's since he's moved across from NASCAR. And he was fighting Roman Grosjean. Lap 13, and the earlier collision came back to haunt Rossi as part of his front wing failed, and he was massively struggling for downforce, but had to hold on until his pit window. Ferrucci, after a practice crash, was having a great run in the spare car and climbed as high as 6th. Ericsson's chance of a Detroit double were over when he hit the wall and had to box early for repairs. Dalton Kellett stopped on pit exit for yet another loose wheel nut, which seems to be a bit of a, a running theme at the moment in IndyCar, and Grosjean then tagged Harvey and spun him around. The result was a punch-up for Harvey and a drive-through for Grosjean. Newgarden's dominant lead then started to get eaten up by Herter, who was closing for a final push. After the final stops, Herter was flying towards Newgod with Pelot in third. Johnson binned it with 16 laps to go, closing the uh, closing the whole field up for a grandstand finish. O'Ward passed Dixon on the restart, which was a crucial overtake for the championships, and Newgarden was defending for his life up front. Grosjean ended a bad day by spinning and retiring with both brakes on fire, and, and another yellow with 10 laps to go. The race was on a knife edge with Newgarden desperately holding on to his worn-out tyres. The eight-lap sprint began with O'Ward, and he did it again, this time passing Sato, and then another pass on Pelot, the championship leader. Herter's attack becomes defence when O'Ward, who was absolutely flying, took one, one lap to pass Herter and set after Newgarden with five laps to go. Herter went deep and had to recover and dropped back, and uh, Pelot managed to get past him. And at the same time, O'Ward pulled a fantastic overtake on Newgarden. Newgarden's ties completely gone, and now fighting Pelot and Herter with O'Ward absolutely leaving them for dust. Go on, McLaren. Newgarden's incredible defence was complete, finishing second in the race where he'd led 68 of the 70 laps. But the ruthless O'Ward now takes a one-point lead in the championship, and Penske left begging once again. It was a so yeah, thriller that one wasn't it? It was. <laughs> I liked it. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. First driver to pick up two wins. Obviously, there's mm. been another one now, but uh, uh, we'll get onto that later. Uh, yeah. So thoughts thoughts on that then? So again, again, this just shows how much Pato Awards come on board um, since he started last year with McLaren. Mm. Um, a lot of controversy last year when McLaren, Aaron McLaren SP announced that they were taking Award and Oliver Askew on board and the whole um, affair with James Hinscliffe not being involved in the thinking, but surely as a new team, as an amalgamated team, you need an experienced driver. Pato Award is blowing people away. Mm. Um, last year, you know, looking for his first win, um, trying to find it where he could, but also at the same time, um, setting fast times, you know, a pole position at Road America last year, mm -hmm. proving his worth. So his the last, you know, six or seven laps where he was making moves straight off the restart showed that he was in a really good position. His race engineer, Taylor Carl, knew that they could do this. And O'Ward is just fearless. He, he's got no fear. He's throwing the car around at races this year. You know, you're thinking it's going to go in the wall or something, but he's getting fast times out of it. Mm. So, yeah, great, great on that respect. Again, you know, New Garden, 
proving that Penske can do this, that they've got the race-winning potential. 68 laps led out of 70, but unfortunately, the tyre strategy didn't work for him, and his tyres were completely off the cliff by the time that uh, the restart had come around. Again, this is the, the game you play in IndyCar if you run soft tyres or, or hard tyres. And... Yeah, it, it's, you know, you could see he was dejected with second place. Most drivers would be elated, but he knows there's more there and he knows that should have been a race win. Um, and the pressure just increases on the Penske drivers as, as they sort of go through this poor period. So another cracking race, considering it's a circuit you can't overtake well at. Mm. Again, both races prove that you can do that really well as well. Mm, yeah, fantastic. So, I mean, you mentioned before about Dixon's in a bit of a slump at the moment, mm. and uh, yeah, two not fantastic results for him. So he's. Um, I know we've uh, when we had Jack Benyon on, he was he was saying you know, oh, um, Dixon is going to be the benchmark. That's what people are going to aim at. And I even heard people saying, I'm not looking at Palo, I'm looking at Dixon because he's the mm. benchmark. He's where you need to be aiming at if you want to win the championship. But uh, definitely ha- having a bit of a a dry spell in the middle of the season here. Um, has he has he hit that cliff with, with regards to age, or is it just 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 a bad spell? No, I, I would say it's a bad spell. He's he's got a I want to say a, a sort of enviable record of he can win a title one year, then he has a difficult year the next, and then bounces back the following year. So he's sort of title miss, title miss, you know, and it, and it's sort of that way. Mm-hmm. Um, he's sort of following that trend again. So. But the speed was there earlier in the year. Um, he was a threat in the Indy 500 till they had uh, the car issue and then that pushed him back. Mm-hmm. So, but even, you know, he's still doing what he's good at, scoring points where he can, taking the best positions that he can get out of the car in the race conditions in front of him. Um, and with that, like I say, he's in third place in the title race so far. So he's not out of this by any chance, but, you know, his younger teammate Pillow is definitely making him look a little bit silly at the moment. And I think that uh, that could definitely spur him on in the future races. Hmm. And uh, I mentioned before about Johnson uh, having a having a spin uh, and doing more, as I, I often refer to it as destroying his legacy. Uh, we've, <laughs> we've had a um, we've had a, a, a comment in the in the chat from Darren, who's who's asked, what's your thoughts on the uh, on NASCAR drivers joining the series? So lump that in with Johnson. What's your thoughts on Johnson and his season so far and just NASCAR drivers in general? So um, as far as Johnson's season but, so far, we'll go the firstly, same way. Firstly, are you a NASCAR fan before no, we... Uh, no, no, I'm not. Okay. <laughs> it's not even one of the many many series i keep an eye on um no first of all johnson indycar so it's a big thing okay seven time nascar champion moves over to indycar it's a big thing for his followers his fans and also for indycar to get someone of such notes joining an already competitive field uh that said he's done so many years driving you know the only way you can describe it is the most heaviest car possible on the light on the thinnest tires and going at 200 miles an hour in pack racing. It's a completely different discipline in IndyCar, more aeros, thinner tires. There's a lot more to deal with. Um, it's his first year as well. So to expect him to do anything more than sort of get out of the back of the field and reach mid pack is unrealistic. Um, he's improving race by race. But at the same time, I sort of think, well, you know, that car seems to go better once they go to an oval and Tony Canaan turns up. He, he Again, Tony's got the same amount of experience in an Indy car as um, Jimmy's got in the NASCAR. So it will get, he will get better. Um, as for NASCAR drivers coming across to IndyCar, it's it's always going to be a lottery. No one's going to you know slot into the seat and go and gel straight away with the car. Um, they are two completely different disciplines. It's, it's like taking a Formula One driver and putting them in a British touring car extremely different extremes mm. of 
you know, racing. Um, he'll get better. He's with the right team. They've got lots of information. So it's all there for it to happen. Um, this is supposed to be a multi-year deal. So we'll take it as a learning year. Um, mm. Hopefully, you know, there are further improvements as we go along. Yeah, I mean, I, I do have massive respect for Johnson. I do give him, I do give him a hard time because the results aren't there, and you've got to, you know, you, you've got to uh, put the performances in. But yeah. I do massively respect what he's doing. I mean, it, it is like Lewis Hamilton joining IndyCar, yes. effectively. Uh, that's how that's how big this is. And mm. I know a lot of our listeners are not really going to be NASCAR fans, and and I have watched one NASCAR race in my life, and that was in a hotel room in Australia. Uh, so. Uh, <laughs> And uh, my my mother was with me, and she was just like, "Why are they only turning left?" Um, so... <laughs> yeah, I've had those conversations yeah. too. Yeah, it doesn't yeah, yeah. end well. <laughs> no, no, exactly. No. So, um, I, no, I massively respect what he's done, and mm. things he didn't have to do it. You know, there's there's nothing to say that that he has to do that to to, to prove to anything. But I, I saw an interview with him, or I heard an interview with him once, where he basically said that he's IndyCar. He's here to have fun. Yeah. Um, and and that's exactly what he's doing. So long as he's not dangerous, mm. that's fine. But I just I just think that if he's he would have been considered as one of the greatest ever drivers in by Americans uh, or by people who follow NASCAR in general. Um, but going to IndyCar and being comprehensively shown up, if next year he's the same level as this year, I I just fear for like his legacy as a whole. Yeah, I I think if that's the case, they'd probably say, look, let's call it a day. You know, let's not do any more damage. You know, you've done what you can. It doesn't seem to be working. Mm. We'll look at it. Um, I'll, I'll be honest. My 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 one point with him, which is a bonus for me, is that at least he's not spinning as much as Nikita Mazepin does in every F1 Grand Prix. You know, Jimmy's actually managing to keep the spin count down, whereas Nikita's doing worse. So yes, so you, can't, you can't even tally the two up. To be honest, he's doing yes. a better job there. Yes, but I did I did actually mention this on our podcast, uh, and I don't think I mentioned it on our podcast. I mentioned it on Grid Talk, another podcast I do. Right. Um, Nikita Mazepin has actually uh, he retired from the first race, but race wise, he's actually finished five races in a row, so he's not spinning quite as much no. as people. People were, uh, you know, as people were expecting, he you know, he's getting in everyone's way and he's behaving like an absolute mm. twonk. Um, so I'm not saying I like him as a driver. I'm just stating facts that he is finishing races yes. at the back, slower than everyone else by a country mile, but he <laughs> is finishing races. So you know, to finish 19th, first you have to finish. Exactly. Um, yeah. But no, anyway, Jimmy's doing a better job on that one. But yeah, he's like definitely. Say, we, we will see. How yeah. He, how he goes. He's definitely doing a better job than Nikita Mazepin. Yes, definitely. Um, so, uh, yeah, um, what else to talk about with, with regards to that race? I mean, we, we've spoken about um, we've spoken about award. Uh, we've spoken about uh, Penske in, uh, in depth already. Mm. Um, I guess, I guess, really, we can we can touch on Rossi. He's not really. I mean, wh- where is he now in the championship? I haven't even got the standings up at the so moment. I've got him here. Let's just have a quick he's, look. He is he's way down. I mean, this is obviously with another race tally to add to it, but he's not. He's thirteenth in the points. Yeah, uh, is he thirteenth? I believe is he still behind um, Castro Nevis, or is he ahead of Castro Nevis now? Uh, no, he's behind. Let me just have a look. Hang on. No, he's ahead of Castro Nevis is, now. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. Castro Nevis is only win and, and point scores yeah. uh, comes from his indie win. So yeah. Yeah, because no, he's, he's 30, 13th in the points. He he's already made his goal clear. You know he's going for race wins. Yeah, he's, they're going for race wins every year. He says he's going for the championship, and something at the minute in the last few seasons is going horribly wrong somewhere. Mm. Um, so you know already he's on the right. I'm on thirteenth. I don't think I can make this up. Race wins are my only target. He's yeah, he's having a bit of a torrid time of it, and needs to find sort of improvement in form. He's capable of doing this. 
Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll be honest, you know, he's one of my more favourite drivers, and his last win at Long Beach was just metronomic. He took pole, mm. he ran away with it, and he was able to peel off those laps consistently to keep the gap and, and keep his fuel money. So, so when it works, it works. He he is on the button, um, but he seems to be more of a sort of top ten runner and struggling in the bottom half of the top ten if he has if he has uh, issues during qualifying and can't seem to make it up during the race. Mm. It's a shame because he's capable of being out there and taking the fight to the others. Um, but yeah, Rossi at the moment is definitely suffering, but also providing a lot of excitement as he's trying to come through the pack. Yeah. Okay. So we got got another question in the chat here, which is from Nick One Nine Five. Valid question. I was going to ask you about this driver next anyway, so it seems a good place yeah. to to slot it in. Uh, it's um, Scott McGoffin seems to be settling a lot better than Jimmy Johnson. They both yes. come from the same uh, the same tin top cars. Uh, yeah. So uh, why is Scott settling better? It's a good question. So Scott's had more time. Uh, in the car at Penske, uh, he did the last race of the year. I think it was at Laguna. He was also at um, St. Petersburg race as well. So mm-hmm. he had some time in the car last year when nobody was expecting anything but from him but to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, did a lot of the testing over the winter as well, was really involved in that. And he seems to have just gelled earlier in the year than Jimmy has Um so at the same time, there's a big age difference there. Scott is, is you know, still quite young. He's got three uh, supercar titles behind him, having driven as part of the Penske operation down in Australia. So he's got those contacts. So it's almost as if he's transitioned from one form of motorsport to another, taken off the roof, but he's adjusting pretty well to IndyCar and, and the nuances of an IndyCar. Um, I'll also point out as well to say thank you to the wife for her question this evening. It's lovely that she's watching her husband do a podcast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> not getting away with that one. Um, but yeah. Nicely done. Yeah, Scott McLaughlin is a is a, is a family favourite. So um, yeah, it's good to see him doing as well as he's done, having taken a podium already this year and, and showing good speed when he's on the various different courses. So yeah, well, um, Jimmy Johnson is uh, definitely he's kind of he's older than I am, and Scott McLaughlin is look. I'm just looking up his date of birth here, and he is um, over ten years younger than me. So he's definitely got a <laughs> he's definitely got an age advantage there, and, and yeah. I know better than than most people. Certainly the, with the people that I hang around with, that uh, it becomes a lot harder to learn things when you get yes. to when you know once you get a four at the start of your name. So mm-hmm. uh, looking forward to that next year because <laughs> uh, it's, it's already bad enough at 39. So um, yeah, so I think if we move on to uh, to this week's race, and I'm gonna hands I'm gonna hand the ceremonial baton across to you to uh, to give a, a quick review of how things went down this weekend in IndyCar. Yeah. So we've rode America, um, one of the classic IndyCar tracks. Uh, basically, it was, again, Joseph Newgarden to the fore, who took pole position um, and dominated the race at the front despite four uh, full-course full course yellow uh, incidents. Um, regardless of that, though, I think it was on the board that early on he had a gearbox issue and it's almost as if that came back to haunt him. But again, he led the majority of the race apart from the last two laps. He was completely in control. Um, Colton Herter, Alex Pillow and Will Power all well within striking distance during the whole race within the top five. And again, Roman Grosjean in the mix as well. Um, driving on a circuit he likened to Spa-Francorchamps, which I must admit isn't far off, to be honest. Um so yeah, you know, a good all a good all round exciting race, a nice fast frantic race from Road America as well. They're often the best ones. Um, and it was clear there was a bit of indecision during the field as to whether they went for adding downforce for getting through the lower grip corners or just trimming the car out completely to go as fast as possible on the straights and seeing how that worked out. Um 
Jimmy Johnson, as we've spoken about, how he was the first one to cause a caution as he had a spin after turn seven. Um, ironically, turn seven was a bit of a, uh, a sort of jinx for some drivers because that's also where um, Kevin Magnussen retired uh, after his car literally died on him. Everything just completely uh, ploughed out on him. Um, Marcus Ericsson had a big moment coming down the, um, the, the straight from turn three and uh, into station five by basically just catching the curb and spinning the car off to the side and he wasn't able to get it back going. So, you know, unfortunate for him after his uh, Detroit uh, musings, I think is the best way to put it. And then Ed Jones, you know, another one who suffered. He was doing really well. He was taking the fight in the Dale Coyne racing with uh, Vassa Sullivan car and taking the fight to the bigger teams. Scott Dixon, Will Power, he was right in there until his suspension failed um, and caused the, uh, the, the last yellow. And then, of course, Unfortunately, we're in a position where we're two laps to go. Um, you're seeing Alex Pelot really in Newgarden, thinking, why is Newgarden slowing up? And he just drops through the stone, through the field as a mm. stone, sorry. Um, as the gearbox gives up, it just comes back to completely blight him and he ends up one lap down um, in a race again, as with Detroit, he should have won. Um, that Penske utterly dominated and Pelot and Herta weren't able to keep close enough to him to you know try and take the win off of him. So, Again, Penske there with domination and just not taking away any spoils. Great for Pelot because he overhauls O'Ward and takes back the championship with a 28-point lead. Gets his second win. Oh, yes, I know. <laughs> how dare he? Um, and, uh, yeah, at the same time, you know, it just shows how much he's willing to put into it. He hasn't got any pole positions yet this year. He's got two wins. He's keeping things consistent and he's doing a better performance than his much more experienced teammates of Ericsson and Dixon. Mm. So... You know, he's really pushing the limit there. And again, as the coverage uh, confirms, the last time Scott Dixon had a teammate that was this dominant was a certain Dario Franchitti that was able to take the fight with him. And, you know, they were an absolute double act at Ganassi back in the day. So it was a cracking race. It really was a good race, even with the yellows involved. Um, Road America always, always delivers. Um, and it's just one of the ones I love. It's a good old fashioned narrow track that makes them work hard and plenty yeah. of dust kicked up. Yeah. Um, during the during the race, it's just awesome to watch. Yeah, it was uh, that I thoroughly enjoyed that one. I I watched it. Um, I, I intended to just skip through it before I went to bed because I watched it quite late because I was doing other stuff uh, and ended up watching the whole thing. So yeah. it, obviously, uh, I mean, obviously, I skipped through the yellows, but uh, mm. but apart from that, I ended up watching the whole thing. But um, no, there was some definite uh, good talking points to go there. I mean, we got the um, we got a couple of debutants and and substitutions in there. We had um, Rosenquist obviously out, so Magnussen was in his place, and then mm -hmm. VK out and Askew in his place. We've already seen how Magnussen did led quite a big spell of the race and mm. heartbreak I know he was never really in it to win it but he was you know in a position to to have a decent result and then obviously had the failure um which I knew about before unfortunately so that sport my fun because uh, I saw it come up on the, on Twitter and uh and then ask you obviously in for VK how do you think how did Askew's race unfold for you I, I think, yeah, he's almost starting to earn the term super sub, which was a big sort of thing back in the, the late 90s and 2000s when drivers would hop in for injured drivers to do a better job. Hmm. Um, VK is a really good driver and he's come on strong this year and he's shown that by taking his first win and the fun he had in the Indy 500. So it's going to be difficult. Askew at the moment, he's a capable driver, but he's just not got 
the form or talent that you know O'Ward has shown, which outshone him last year. But mileage in a car, you know, anytime he can get in an Indy car, he's there. He's proving he's capable and competitive. He's not driving around with like five seconds behind the back of the field and wasting time. So he did a good job. He kept it clean. He brought the car home in one piece, and that's something that Ed Carpenter Racing will be happy with, um, as you know, as far as points for themselves are concerned. Um, but yeah, really, really good job by him to be able to sort of come in at the last minute once again. Mm. Yeah, and uh, it wouldn't be a race review without talking about a McLaren. So, I mean, where, where, <laughs> what happened with O'Ward is that he just didn't seem to be anywhere. At one point, he seemed to like he was in a great position. I um, mm. thought he was going to capitalise and, and shoot up, and not to win the race, but maybe be on the podium. Uh, and he just seemed to drop. And, you know, he, he was ahead of Dixon, then he was behind Dixon, then he was behind Rossi, and then he ended up way down the field. Yeah. What, what happened with his race? Why, where did it go so wrong? I, I wonder if it's a tyres thing again, because, you know, the primary tyres were the best ones to have. The, the black wall tires were the better ones to have at Red America. The softer, uh, um, you know, option tires um, weren't ones to have at all. It's almost as if it swings and roundabouts depending on what circuit you're at. Um, so, and Award was one of the ones that was on the red wall tires to begin with, the, op- the uh, option tire. That seemed to hurt anyone that was on that and went on it too long. And I'm almost wondering if his tyre strategy didn't work out for him, which is why he was caught back in the pack later in the race um, and trying to make places up. He's very racy. We know he can do this. He's got his race wins this year. He's got pole position. He had pole position at Road America last year um, in one of the two races they had. So he's definitely capable. I think it's this one thing in IndyCar that if you, you, know, if you can't get the car set right, if you don't get your tyre strategy set right, then you are in for a tough time. And I think the tyre strategy caught him out on this one, unfortunately. That's a real shame. But uh, yeah, I, my my biases aside. Now, I know you've got a big long list of things that you want to talk about. So uh, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll hand over to you to, to, to bring okay. some things to the fore that you want to talk about now. So what, yeah. what's what's next on the list? So so for me, I'm like I say, I'm going to go down the Penske route. Um, you know, New Garden, again, dominating mm. a race for the second race in a row, um, mm. showing, you know, he's leading all but two laps of a race. He's whatever he's doing at Penske is is working. It's just almost now leading Lady Luck to be there with him right to the end. Ward passing him with two laps to go at Detroit, um, having the gearbox break with two laps to go here at Road America. When they go to mid-Ohio at the 4th of July, he's going to be absolutely praying the car is bulletproof and making sure when it gets to two laps to go that there is no one around him if he's out front. Um as you know, as we said, they, they've had a dip, but they, he's showing he's capable. This is what got him to win his title. Um, you know, well, both of his titles. This is what got him there was either having the absolute maximum speed and the dominant performance, or like Dixon being able to bank the points when the car isn't working and doing the best he can. At the moment, you know, he's the fastest Penske out there. Pole position at Detroit, pole position at Road America. He's the fastest car going. Um, despite that, you know. It's also keeping him in the championship hunt. He's fourth at the moment um, with that one pole. And he's just behind Dixon, O'Ward and Pelo. So he's in the mix. He's keeping mm. himself there. So unfortunate heartbreak for him. But what's, you know, what's coming out of this for me is Penske have got that car working. Will Powell was running in the top five, despite his heartbreak at uh, Detroit as well. You know, he was leading races. So those two drivers are, bring, are pulling Penske back towards the front of the field. And I think you're going to see it again um, at Mid-Ohio as well. They are definitely on a resurgence. And I don't think it's... I, I think they're going to get a win this year. Um, I'll be honest, I've already bet several people that I'm pretty certain that uh, if Newgarden doesn't win at Mid-Ohio, he's going to do it on his home track in Nashville. Um, and if he does that, watch Nashville just explode. That'll go mad. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, 
uh, you know, heartbreak twice for New Garden, power suffering at Detroit, but he still goes on to take a top five finish regardless. He was in the mix again. He wasn't in the mix for the lead, but he was able to keep the um, the car there. So definite improvement on the Penske side. Um, Colton Herter, another one as well, going for consistency, although he's had his win this year um, at St. Petersburg. He He's another one. You know, he's not in the championship hunt. He's down in seventh place. He's slightly out of things. Uh, but a top three finish he's being consistent and this is what got him to the top three in the championship last year just keeping that consistency and for a driver at such a young age to be able to produce that sort of performance there are big things ahead of him he's definitely going to be a championship winner you know in his career that's without saying it goes without saying um but he's doing the right thing at the moment he's working well he's one of the best andretti cars up there along with you want to say um jack harvey you know, with the alliance they have with Maya Shank. So he's definitely got it there. Um, for me, Kevin Magnussen's debut um, also came with a bit of nostalgia. So um, his dad, Jan, uh, back in 1996, drove for Penske um, for several races, standing in first of all for Paul Tracy, who'd injured himself at the time, and then for Emerson Pissapaldi. God, there's some names. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, he, you know, he did really well. He really enjoyed it, but he found IndyCar quite tough at the time and then moved over to Corvette. And we know the story from there with his sports car career. Uh, for Kevin, he's already doing the sports cars in America for Chip Ganassi Racing. So again, for me, I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up in IndyCar via Chip Ganassi at some stage in the future. Um, but he's proven his worth already. You know, no, he went into the weekend with no expectations. The team made it clear Here's the car, learn the car, the format, the sport, do everything you can do. We'll work with you. We'll make sure it's as comfortable as possible. It's a learning exercise. And then to be told after a caution period is underway, do you know what? We're going to keep you out the front. We're not going to pit. Let's just go and have some fun with this. And we know Magnussen is a capable driver. He was in um, Formula One. He just didn't have the right sort of seat time and the equipment with it. Um, I think in an Indy car, he will do really well. And he proved he was able to stay out front despite having um, experienced veterans like Takuma Sato, having uh, Palo and Newgarden behind him. He was able to hold them off for quite a few laps um, mm. before Sato moved forward. And obviously the strategy kicked him. Really unfortunate for him that the the car just died and he, you know, he had to pull out of the race. But I think he's done enough that you know if Rosenquist isn't cleared for mid-Ohio at the start of July... I wouldn't be surprised if they call up Kevin again and say, look, let's have another go at this and, and, and see what you can do. And it's, with most drivers in different disciplines, it's seat time. The more seat time you get, the more you learn about the car, the more you gel with the team and the performance improves. So, yeah, he's 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 adapted to racing in America and the sports car side of thing, which is different to Indy cars, but it's still being there is a good thing. And, yeah, you know, the more time he gets in Indy car, I think he'll be a full-time driver soon. There was a nice symmetry to it as well, getting his first IndyCar race in a McLaren after getting yes. his first Formula One race in a McLaren yes. as well. That was um, good. But an, another um, debutante um, who was um, definitely at the race, because I mm. saw his name on the timings, was uh, was uh, Cody Ware. Yeah. Um, how do we rate his performance? Because I don't remember seeing him once. I don't think I saw him once either. It was a struggle even to see him because I know he qualified last mm. on the grid. Every Again, everyone has to start somewhere. Um 
his, his dad Vic Ware is, is the full-time sponsor of Roman Grosjean's car so that's mm-hmm. why that's where the connection comes in with that um, and I think it's a case of I know he's had a difficult time um, having learned this from my colleagues who follow NASCAR intently he's had a difficult time in NASCAR so I'm wondering if this is a case if they've tried it in NASCAR it's not gone well the purple car is doing really well with the ex-Formula 1 driver in it let's see how the sun does in another car mm-hmm. um, again it's learning um, didn't see him at all, I think, on the coverage, unfortunately, which is bad. Uh, but at the same time, you know, he's got experience under his belt. If they bring him back for more races in the year, then again, it's a learning experience. It could be that, you know, as he's not had such an easy time in NASCAR, an early switch to disciplines could work out better for him. I did hear a lot of rumblings on the build-up to the Indy 500 that he was going to be replacing Roman Grosjean in that car. Um, but yeah. um, obviously that, that never came to fruition. No. It, it seemed like, um, I mean, it was... Um, it was Kirk Cavan and Kevin Lee that were talking about it, and mm. they were saying it was a done deal. And then it, it it then kind of started becoming less likely, and then all of a sudden the deal was off quite quite late on. So yeah. it's obviously, um, yeah, I mean, money talks. You know, you've got to bring backing, and if you've got a father involved, we know from you know yes. lots of other sports. If if there's family connections, you know, you've only got to look at the Andrettis, you know, mm. <laughs> to know exactly where that comes from. And but yeah, uh, it, so he was he was there. Uh, I don't think we're going to see him um, probably challenging the front of IndyCar any any time soon. Not uh, just but, yet. Uh, no, I don't think no. so. No, but you never know. You never know. It's uh, as you say. You've all got. You've all got. Everyone learns at different at different rates. Um, so, what else is on the magical list of things to talk about? So, um, yeah, I mean, to sort of go to the back to the championship leader. It's the second win of the year for Alex Pelot. Mm. Um, Watching him last year at Dale Coyne, he set the place alight. Everyone was talking about him, you know, this kid that's come over from racing in Japan in Super Formula, which itself is a similar discipline to IndyCar and that you've got a you know single-make chassis, spec tyres and, and engines, etc. Um, and he adapted really well. And that's what got him the seat at Chip Ganassi. You know, Dale Coyne Racing is a team that's known for running on a smaller budget than most. So any drivers that do well in that team straight away get the notice of the bigger teams. Um, Chip Ganassi, they don't come bigger than that apart from Penske and Andretti. And even then, it's difficult to get in there. And Chip's done exactly what he normally does. Um, you know, he's picked a driver with talent. Polo took the first win at Barber Motorsports Park this year and sort of made everyone stand up and go, whoa, this kid's in decent equipment and look what he's doing. Um, he was happily challenging for the lead in the Indy 500 and showed again, there's no, you know, um, one-off flash in the pan performance. He's in for the long game and, and doing what he can. Um, and his consistency as well has kept him up front. So two wins, um, no polls uh, for him as yet. I don't doubt that's going to happen at some point. Pole positions will start coming his way. And he's, as I said earlier, he's outshining his 20-year veteran of a teammate, Scott Dixon, who himself is able to pull these performances out as well. Um, two wins under his belt. It's just going to build his confidence. He doesn't look um, ruffled or, or sort of you know caught off guard when he's talking to the press now anymore. It's like, yeah, you've won the race. You've won the race. And he knows that he's done it. You know, he's worked with the team. It's been a full team effort and everything is gelled together. Um, Pelot's going to get another win at least. And I would be honestly surprised unless, you know, he starts suffering some bad luck. 
um, if he doesn't walk away with the title this year. He's showing he's got the talent, the speed, the capability, um, and especially with Pato Award up there, you know, you've got two young guns leading the IndyCar series standings with the two of them having maybe been, you know, two or three seasons in the sport. The next three drivers, Scott Dixon, Joseph Newgard, and Simon Pagano, have many years of experience in the sport and are all former champions, but their, their season this year just isn't going the way they want it to. So it's showing also a change of the guard as well. The younger ones are coming through, Colton Herter, um, you know, uh, where Scott McLaughlin obviously is, is in his rookie season, Jack Harvey, um, who's been in it for a few races, but is now a full-time all these younger drivers are coming through and showing they've got the capability and, up sh and showing up the older guard. And it's this sort of transition that you start to see the younger guys taking the wins and the titles and generally leads to some sort of shake-up within seats in uh, IndyCar. So it'd be interesting to see, like I say, with Mid-Ohio coming up in a few weeks' time, if he can keep that streak going or keep the uh, at least scoring the points and banking the points in. Excellent, excellent. Okay, so we'll um, we'll cover one more subject, and then we'll just talk a little bit about predictions for the rest of the season. But I think yeah. you you've already kind of uh, set your stall out so there, one, um, and then uh, and then we'll just we'll just talk a little bit about um, our, our driver and dicker today uh, for the uh, for the weekend. So, um, what where are we going next? Um, so going with Colton Herter. Mentioned him earlier. Mm -hmm. um, Colton, like I said, he's already got a win at St. Petersburg. He was in the mix for the top five during the race and, and right until the end, you know, he was challenging for the podium and got his podium finish. Um, again, a young gun, you know, he's shown lots of talent since he turned up two years ago and it's almost as if he's leading the Andretti charge and you can be pretty damn certain that's putting noses out of joint and Alexander Rossi and Ryan hunter Ray. Um, I'm mentioning those two because... Rossi was in the thick of it and a lot of the time was with Ryan hunter Ray's. you know, one of his teammates at the forecast stable at Andretti. Rossi comes out of the pits at one point, cold tyres. He's trying to get the tyres up to grip. hunter Ray's looking to pass him because he's on hotter tyres, he's got more grip and Rossi does everything possible to defend. And the two of them almost tied with an elastic band at one point during mid-race. You know, they were swapping places left, right and centre. And you're sort of thinking, look, guys, you're in the same team. Work together. I know it's not in a driver's mentality to work with another driver if there's some sort of rivalry or or niggle or anything. Um, but at the same time, if those two had worked together, they could have moved themselves up through the field a lot better and potentially have had better finishing positions than they ended up. Um, so, yeah, Colton is doing a really good job. He's got his win. He's showing up um, the other four Andretti cars. You know, Hinchcliffe has come on board full-time and, and taken Marco Andretti's full-time seat getting up to speed, being full-time back in an Indy car. Um, Jack Harvey in the Meyer Shank Racing entry, which has got on a technical alliance with Andretti Autosport, he, even he's doing a better job than the likes of Rossi and Hunter Ray and Hinchcliffe. Um, okay, Helio Castro's is... Patunga, I knew it was going to fall over his name at some point. <laughs> Helio Castro Neves' uh, win at the Indy 500 was a massive boost for the team. But something I won't forget from that will be the fact that he walked up during the live coverage up to Jack, gave him a hug and said, you know, this isn't just my win. This is our win. This is teamwork. This is us doing it together. So it's it's evident and well recognised the amount of hard work Jack's done to get the team to where they are, to get the car and himself to where they are. Um, Hurt is going to improve. He's, you know, he's got that win under his, his belt. He's got several wins under his belt from each season. And he's never really one to be counted out. If he makes, if he can get the car sorted and has a good weekend, it's not going to be difficult to see him potentially making up those spaces um, in the championship table where he's seventh at the moment. Um, 
and closing up the gap on the likes of Dixon and O'Ward potentially. He just needs a few good races. Excellent. Yeah, I uh, I completely agree with with everything. Echo everything mm. you've you've just said. There, he definitely looks like one one to watch and uh, potential, as you said earlier, changing of the guard as well. Mm. So, Gono, what what do we reckon then for for driver of the day? Driver of the day. So this is just not for Detroit because um, what I've gone with for for Detroit is I've gone for um, award for driver of the day mm. and dick of the day is myself and Carl for not doing a podcast about it. So. Um, <laughs> That's oh, that's, okay. that's that's last week. I'm I'm giving myself um I'm giving myself carte blanche on that one. Uh, right. But for regards to this race, uh, driver and dick of the day. Who are you nominating for driver of the day? So driver of the day, I'm going for Joseph Newgarden. Um, because he was he just did everything right. Um, you know, if he hadn't have had the gearbox, that would have been his win. You know, he dominated. He was out front, and both Polo and Herta, you know, they couldn't touch him. They could get close in the cautions, but they couldn't touch him. So. Driver of the day is definitely Joseph Newgarden, um, despite the, the gearbox issue in the last two laps of the race. He, you know, it was his on a plate, and he did everything to work hard today to, to uh, take that win home. Yeah, no, I I, compl- I completely agree. Uh, do you have any nominations for Dick of the Day? Who's our Dick of the Day? Oh, so that's a difficult one because I didn't really see anyone that was having a bad day. First of all, yeah. that sort you of could- you know. You could always say stuff like uh, Kevin Magnussen's gearbox or whatever it was. Oh, no, no, no. Car, I, so things I like that. I can't, I can't do that to him. Um, I think, to be honest, I'm, I'm sort of going to nominate Rossi and Hunter Ray for the way they were just squabbling and fighting with each other. Um, you know, they, they hurt themselves. They could have done a lot better. So I'll, I'm sort of, yeah, I'll nominate both Rossi and Hunter Ray um, at Stick of the Day. If they'd have been a lot more karma, work together, a bit common sense, all things that don't seem to rhyme with racing drivers. Sure. Um, then, uh, yeah, you know, they, they would have done a lot better. There's lessons to be learned there. You know, be minus in class from the teacher on that one. Excellent. I'll put that there. That's going to be our first joint dick of the day then, Rossi and RH, RHR joint. So we'll go with that. So um, over the weekend, uh, I don't know if you've seen the Formula One and the Formula E. We need to declare a, a, a grand dick. Uh, for the for the weekend and a, and a grand driver. So we've got, uh, out of the people that we've had, uh, we've had Max Verstappen for the Formula One, Eduardo Watara for the Formula E, and Joseph Newgarden for the for the IndyCar. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what do you reckon? Who, who has performed best out of those three at the weekend? Um, so I didn't catch the Formula One, but I know Max pulled off a, a lot. I think it was almost a penultimate lap pass, as I yes, understand it, was, it on, yeah. on Lewis. So... Um, fair play on that one. I did catch the Formula E in the end, and yeah, I, I agree with Mortara. You know, he did everything right on that. Um, if anything, I sort of felt for Pascal Verline, but I know that's a controversial thing, and they're still arguing about his tyres and the whole yeah. issue there. Yeah. Um, and again, I, I, you know, I back up um, what I said about Newgarden as well. So, as Mortara took a win, I suppose. Yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll go with Mortara. Yeah, I'll go with Mortara as well because he had a win and a podium. Yeah. So I mean, obviously I know he had two two cracks in it, but he performed mm. very well in both races. So he is that's his second um that's his second drive for the day award. Oh, okay. Um so he, he got one for earlier in the season as well. And so who's who's the grand dick? Um I'm gonna nominate Mercedes as the grand dick because uh <laughs> everything that uh everything that he did at the weekend just just seemed to fall apart. Um, Lotterer was the was the dick for Formula E, which again just kind of drive rarer. Rossi and Ryan Hunter Ray being a little bit uh, a little bit naughty, a little bit uh, short sighted. But for me, Mercedes were the uh, were the were the grandest dick of them all. Uh, any uh, any advance on that or any argument? Uh, no, 
in the nicest way possible although i do watch formula one i'm not really a mercedes fan or a hamilton fan so anytime they sort of struggle i'll happily cheer and it's nice to see them (laughs) struggling after such a dominant streak of how many years they've been doing so um yeah i'll back you up on the mercedes one fantastic okay well that 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 was that was easy then okay so looking looking ahead then uh we've still got a long way to go in the indycar season we've got uh we've got mid-ohio and then we've got uh toronto Nashville. Oh no, no, we haven't got Toronto. No? Oh, Toronto's no. gone, is it? Yeah, Toronto's definitely yes. gone. No, it's confirmed, gone. So right, I will delete yeah. that from my from my list then. So yeah. that's just Formula E that week. Oh, that's a nice easy one that weekend then. <laughs> okay, I will. Um, I I did see that, but I just didn't remove it from the list for whatever mm. reason. Uh, are they going to replace it with anything, or is no, that no? They're leaving it as it is. So um, the, the the current schedule is they'll have Mid Ohio on the fourth of July. Yeah. Um, a month later they go to Nashville for the yeah. the inaugural. Um, music city grand prix which i'm yep. still i'm still betting new garden's gonna win yeah um go back to uh indianapolis. The indianapolis road course uh for the second time as part of covering with the covid issues they've got over there yeah um you've got gateway they're going back to on the 21st of august yep. um one of the classics for me portland is back this year after they yep. couldn't run it last year that's always a cracking circuit especially as they brought it back two years ago and still proved um to be a thriller yep. you're then on to uh, that's at the 12th of september a week later laguna seca yep Need we say anything more in the cars at laguna yep. seca you know yep. <laughs> silverstone we're just talking like that yeah um and then for me that I'm still trying to get my head around this, but they've done it obviously and sorted it. So last year there was no um, Long Beach IndyCar event, which was heartbreaking for me. It's my favorite one of all, Mm. Um, but they've actually managed to push it back to the 26th of September this year. So you've got three races in three weeks at the end of the year in September. Yeah. Um, I think that's a thrilling idea to have Long Beach as the um, season finale. It's a cracking race, you know, Mm. nine times out of 10. So, yeah, you know, they've got some good tracks coming up. They've managed to um, sort out, you know, even though they can't go to Toronto again this year, they've still managed to keep a, a good calendar of good venues in. So, you know, it's going to be a good run in for the rest of the year. Well, I may well be calling you, calling on you for the uh, for the last three races to sub in for me because the uh, the twelfth of September is, uh, which is the uh, time for the Portland Grand Prix, is two yeah. days after I'm supposed to get married. So ah. uh, we'll, uh, <laughs> I may not be on that podcast, but uh, we'll see. I can't go on my honeymoon till next June. Now, cheers, Boris. Cheers, COVID. But yep. uh, hey ho, there we go. You know, it's uh, worst things have happened at sea. Mm. So you know, we got our health. We've got, we can't have our middle-class honeymoon, so hey-ho. No, it, it'll be worth the wait, trust me. <laughs> we, we will get over it. So you've you've alluded to uh, who you think is going to win the championship. Are you sticking with Alex Pillow for the uh, for your prediction for the championship? I, I am. I think Pato Award's going to give him a good run. Um, if Penske get their acting gear, they're going to be involved. Um, I, I think it's going to go the way of Alex Pillow, to be honest. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, and, you know, if he does do it in his second year of racing, it just sort of underlines the talent he has. Mm. But like I say, guys like O'Ward, Herter, you can't count those out. Um, and all it takes is for the experienced drivers like Dixon, Newgard and Pagano um, to, to sort of get their acting gear and, and move forwards. It's going to close up and all it's going to take um, is one retirement for any one of these guys to make life difficult um and as we know in indycar which is a good fun thing about it it's, just, it's completely unpredictable you don't know who's going to be quickest who's going to be fastest um and any one of these guys in the field you know almost can take a race win based on the circumstances in the race itself so yeah it, it's going to close up and it's going to be a cracking 
um, run to the end of the year. But I'm going to go with Pelot on this one. Yeah, I mean, still still a long way to go, obviously. Mm. Um, my my biggest concern over Pato Award was that he seemed to be able to do it um, on on certain types of tracks. Yes. Um, but uh, he seems to have now he's won on two very different tracks this year. So mm. uh, it's it's just down to whether he can whether he can pull it off everywhere. Uh, I'm not convinced he's the finished article just yet. Um, so no. and and for me as well, I just think with with Pelo, he's obviously a talent. He's mm. definitely one for the future. But I just think it's only it's only fifty points. There's so many points available in IndyCar. Yes. Um, I still I still think for me it's going to be Scott Dixon. Um, that's that's just what I think, and mm-hmm. you know, I uh, <laughs> uh, this is only my second season watching IndyCar in, in recent times properly. You know, I've, I've been yeah. a casual fan, picking up odd races here and there, but watching every race uh, in detail as opposed to just putting it on in the background. It's only my second season, so what the hell do I know? But uh, <laughs> hey, yeah, you're, so doing, that's, you're doing well. You're doing yeah, well. Tom. That's 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 what I think. I'm, I'm going to stick with I'm going to stick with Scott Dixon. Well, fortunately, I mean, I've had a lot of good people come on and teach me a lot about IndyCar. We've had uh, we've had Tino Belli come on, uh, who does, does the aerodynamic design. We had Stefan Wilson come on. Uh, we've had obviously Jack Benyon from the race come on as well. So I've had some good teachers, uh, and also Darren, our um, one of our billionaire sugar daddies. He's um, he's come on as well and spoke to us about IndyCar. So I've yeah. I've had some good teachers, and now with yourself as well, you're added to an esteemed list of uh, experts. And uh, oh, thank yeah. you. <laughs> I just want to say thank you very much for coming on, and I hope you'll come on again in future because it's mm. been an absolute blast. But do you want to tell people um, who who you are, what you do, and uh, and just a little bit about yourself, really? Yeah, no, that's that's fine. So um, yeah, my name is Phil Kinch, as obviously you can see on the screen and everything on YouTube. Um, I it, when I'm not in the full-time uh, day job, so I currently write for Downforce Radio, uh, which is a website that covers various different forms of motorsport, everything from Formula One. Great name. Uh, touring cars, it is, yep. Yeah. Um, Formula One touring cars, and there are others that I can't remember. IndyCar, obviously, is one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, Rallycross we're into as well. So we cover all forms of motorsport. Um, it's also designed as a, a what is known as a, an opportunities engine. So it's basically allowing writers, people who want to become writers, to learn how to do it and progress through and a lot of people that have worked at downforce have got on to bigger and better things as commentators and, and um, writers etc um, myself i'm the chief touring car editor so my biggest passion in motor racing is touring car racing so the btcc tcr that's um, around the globe i cover that um as well as that, I'm a mad prolific Twitterer. So, you know, I'm constantly retweeting what people say and do um, about the forms of motorsport I love. And uh, yeah, I'm all over Facebook and Twitter. I'm learning Instagram. I'm not a selfie person. You know, not exactly no. a face for TV I can, or radio. I can see I, I can see you doing a duck face selfie with a nice filter. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> um, so no, definitely not. Um so no, yeah, I am. Uh, I, I'm very lucky. I have a very understanding wife. Thank you for a question earlier. Um, mm-hmm. It's all her fault that I got into this. Um, she suggested back in 2013 that uh, I get into writing about my passion of motorsports. It's been a since childhood. It's been a thing for me, and um, I'm now in the position where yeah, you know, I'm writing about it. I'm um, well known in the TCR side of things. Um, I run Facebook groups about touring cars on TCR and moderate those. And yeah, if I'm not talking about motorsport, I love my science fiction. I'm one of the rare people in the world that equally loves Star Wars and Star Trek. You can't separate the two of them for me. Yep, that's, um, 
controversial. I'm with with you on that. I'm actually with you on that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm very lucky, like I say, happily married to the wife for the last six years. I think it'll be in August, he says. Um, Looking at the picture on the mantelpiece and trying to remember. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It was a lovely day, 30 degrees. Um, And, uh, yeah, I'm very lucky um, that I uh, have... uh, my own son, who's 16, he's learning to get into motorsport, but loves his sci-fi. So I've done something right there. And uh, two stepsons who are um, both uh, 29 and 26. One loves his motor racing. He's absolutely mad about Red Bull. Mm-hmm. I'm still struggling to figure out why. Um, and <laughs> the other one who is a massive West Ham fan. So I, again, I won't, you know, that's not my fault. That's down to his mum and she's just as bad so yeah that, that that's me in a nutshell um you can find my work on downforce radio if you type in uh phil kinch um, or phil underscore kinch you find me on twitter um and as i say i'm you i'm a prolific sharer of my work and my colleagues work so it's uh, yes yeah, good fun good fun they are a great bunch um it does have its own radio station as well so should you stumble across the the site which i'll plug now otherwise the boss will tell me off <laughs> so uh, d- downforceradio.uk um, which is a 24-7 radio station dedicated to motorsport. Um, lots of different uh, podcasts and stuff on there. We might have to see, actually, Tom, if we can get you into the library as well. I'll have a chat with the boss oh, to see be, what we can do. That yeah. would be fantastic. I was about yeah. to say, when I'm out of podcasts, I know where I'm going now. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah, definitely. That's definitely. it. There's I'm glad you there. said that. Um, Fantastic. But no, lot, lot, lots of stuff from uh, places like the race, um, spinning wheels. There's, there's lots of um, really good past podcasts on there as well. Um, and there's also plenty of interviews and content that the, the downforce lot have done even before I've turned up. Um, and trust me, they're a crazy lot to work with. So. <laughs> lovely fantastic well we've uh we've run long which is good because that's it shows that we've had a great time so uh just want to say thank you very much for listening and we will see you all next week I just hurried on a bit at the end there because I can see the uh, the future wife putting the uh, knives and forks on the table and looking at me <laughs> scowling. So. Yeah, they do that. L- l- learn this soon. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I-, I had orders to say, you're going to be finished by 8 o'clock. Well, I should be. Well, you're going to come and watch the football with me.